Well, hello to everybody in Knoxville. We're so glad you guys are connecting, those who are watching online, and of course, everybody here in Maryville. We're, we're going to close out our series today called Sticks and Stones, and let's take a little survey as we get going uh, by show of hands. How many of you think, uh, or, or who do you think talks more, men or women? All right, that's, that's the question. How many of you would say that men talk more than women on average per day? couple of you guys, okay, nice. Uh, how many of you think women talk more than men? That's going to be the majority. Um, yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, maybe you've heard this statistic. It's all over uh, the, the web if you, if you Google this or whatever. But you, you typically hear that women speak an average of 20,000 words a minute. Or I mean, not a minute. That would be a lot. <laughs> Woo, that would be a lot. Sometimes we, as men, feel like that. But Women speak an average of 20,000 words a day, while men speak an average of only 7,000 words. But there was a research uh, a group at the University of Pennsylvania that tried to actually track down that source, that statistic, and they couldn't find it anywhere. So that statement really has no scientific study uh, to, to kind of uh, base that finding on. Uh, what they found uh, from a Northeastern University study in 2014, uh, they actually found that it really depends on the situation who talks more. So if, if the situation is lunch over lunch, women tend to talk more than men. Uh, but, but men tend to talk more in meetings at work. And so it's, it's kind of a, a, a toss-up. Another study in 2007 found that women and men only uh, uh, speak about 600 words difference in a day. And so women speak about 600 more words a day than men. But but the reality is, I think all of these studies kind of show that the debate of who talks more, men or women, is just going to simply continue. We're not sure, but I think we can all agree that we all are a culture of people who love to talk. We love to talk and we love to watch people talk. I mean, just turn on the news today and it's talk show after talk show after talk show, people talking. Uh, it seems like every station, there's episodes of people talking, you know, it's podcasts. We, we love to listen to podcasts of people talking. Uh, YouTube channels are just people talking. We scroll TikTok and it's just people talking. We love to talk and we are a people and a nation uh, that talk. You can't even watch a sports event without announcers talking while you're watching the game, right? And so it's everywhere and we love to talk. We do it every day and so as Christians, it's vital. And that's part of the series we're trying to help you see is it is vital as Christians that we understand the power of our words. And we're always gonna be tempted to use words that hurt, to use words that uh, offend, to use words that are ungodly. And so we're gonna continue as, as a people to wrestle with those words, to tame the tongue and, and to uh, live the life that God has called us to. The title of this series is Sticks and Stones. We, we all been familiar with that, the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt us. But we know that our experiences teach us the opposite. Words do hurt. Words do stick with us. And we find ourselves remembering what people said to us years ago that still continually hurt us today. They stick with us. They shape us. Last week, we learned that our words are so powerful that they can connect us to God. So if you confess your sin and you put your faith in Jesus today, he will transform your heart. He'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll move you from death to life and you'll begin to experience a relationship with God. Your words, that prayer can connect you to God. We also learned that our words can condemn us. We talked about last week, there's, there is an unforgivable sin. 
And, and God will forgive us of everything except for this sin. And that sin, the, the words that you use can condemn you for eternity. And what is that sin? We talked about it. It's rejecting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so words can condemn us, right? So it's huge that we understand what words as followers of Jesus that we should be using because we want to experience life, life more abundantly. We want to experience his blessing and so I want to talk to you today from Ephesians 4. If you have a Bible, let's turn there. And I want to talk about the best words to use every single day, the best words. As you're turning there, let me read a passage that I love in Proverbs chapter 18. In Proverbs, he says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, let's just let that set in us for a minute. Your words have the power of life and Death. That's how powerful your words, my words truly are. Your words can kill. Your words can kill relationships. They can kill relationships that you are in today. Your words can alienate and cut people out of your life. Your words can gossip. You can lie. You can slander. And with those types of words, that negativity, those, those slandering words, you can kill the relationships that are in your life. Words can bring death into the life of a church. How many churches have split? How many churches have died and aren't growing today because the members were gossiping and slandering one another? Think about your business. You, you, you maybe been a part of an office that, that was, was losing money and you were running it into the ground because the team that was around you just simply you know, gossiped and criticized each other. Our words have the power of life and death. Your words can bring life into relationships, though. Your words can bring life into your spiritual and mental health, because if you're talking negatively to your own self, that you're hurting your own confidence and your own self-esteem and your own mental health declines. And so your words are powerful. The last phrase of this um, verse says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I love that because what he's saying is that those who love to talk will eat the fruit of their words. It, it, it's the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow is what you're gonna reap. So if you sow words of life, you're going to reap life. If you sow words that are destructive, you will experience destruction in your life. Those who talk, he says, are gonna be forced to live with those results, right? So the words that we speak have the power of life and death. And I want you to realize your words have power today. That means that what we say or don't say has huge, huge implications to your future. The point of the proverb is that our words have consequences. Every word we speak has consequences. And so if you're speaking encouragement, if you're building other people up around you, you're going to experience that life. And the negative is true as well. We're going to tend to direct our future in the, in the direction of the words that we're actually using. Now, Jesus comes to us and he gives us the word of life. He says, he says that those who believe in him will have life everlasting. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Those that come to me can have a relationship with God. In fact, we can't know God without having a relationship with him. And so Jesus is not just this moral man who was a good teacher. No, he died on the cross to pay for your sin. He paid for your sin. And when you receive that forgiveness, when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, he redeems your heart. He transforms your heart. He gives you the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus rose from the grave, proving that he was the Messiah, proving that he, he has the power over sin and death, proving that he can give us purpose and wants to give us meaning and that we can know our creator. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, those are the most powerful words you will ever speak. God will give you life if you receive him today. In America, we have freedom of speech, right? At least we do today. I feel like it's dwindling. That right is dwindling. So it's, it's a lot different than when I was even a kid and um, different sermon for a different day, I guess. But, but I think as Americans, we have the freedom of speech. And so we feel like we can say whatever we want to say whenever we, whenever we want. And as an American, yes, we have that freedom. But here's the thing. When you're a follower of Jesus, you take your words under the authority. You submit what you can say under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And you want the Holy Spirit now to guide you and to guide your words. And so as a follower of Christ, now we, that's our attitude, that's our heart, that, that we wanna surrender our words under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so that's what today is all about. How do we actually do that? And so the three types of words that he encourages us to use are in Ephesians 4. Let's read it together. This is Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 29. He says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's just dial in on this for a minute. Circle this in your Bible if you have it, but let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So what words should we be using? Well, he says, let's use words that actually build people up and encourage them. Let's use words that fit the occasion. Let's talk about what that means today. Well, what are words that fit the occasion? He says, use words that are gonna give grace to people, right? Share grace. You've been given the grace of God. Now, now we're called to give that grace through our words to other people. He gives a list of what we're gonna put away. And then he says, okay, I want you to be kind with your words, right? Be kind and then be tender-hearted with your words in a, in a culture that is very harsh with our words right now. I mean, you just see it all over social media, people being hurtful to one another. He calls us to be tenderhearted. And then this is another toughie. He calls us to forgive. So with our words, I'm gonna build up. I'm gonna use words that fit the occasion. I'm gonna give grace. I'm gonna be kind. I'm gonna be tenderhearted. And I'm going to be forgiving, right? If you're taking notes, this is what he's telling us to do. Verse, or number one, use words that build up. Use words that are good for building up. Now he starts by saying, don't use words that are corrupted, right? And so the Greek word that he uses here for corrupt or some translations say unwholesome is a word that was used to describe rotten fruit and rotten vegetables. And so for us to begin to think about these these vulgar words, the slander, gossip, criticism, harsh words said in anger. He wants us to make the connection. I think that it's just like looking or eating like rotten fruit or whatever. I mean, think about that for a moment. I was hungry the other day and I was looking for salsa. I'm a salsa guy. I asked my wife, 
because I can't ever find anything in our house, but that's a different story. I say, do we have salsa? I can't find it. She says, yeah, there's some in the fridge, but smell it first. (laughs) I don't know about you, but there are two things I live by. I live by the Bible and expiration dates. I'm not, if I have to do a smell test, I'm out. I don't want nothing to do with the smell test. I just am moving on. Um, I, I, you know, some of you, you, you live by a different code than me. You, you see a little mold on the bread in the, in the bag and you just kind of tear off the mold, throw it away, you go for it anyway. That's not me. You would never admit that today, but some of you were raised like that. And it's not a big deal. For me, big deal, not gonna do it. Gonna stay away from that, right? Uh, have you ever like, you know, you, you're, you're kind of close to the date on the milk jug. And so you take the cap off and you give the smell test on the milk and it's sour. And you're like, no, like, I think, I think we all know what that smells like. That's not a good thing. He, he's wanting us to make the connection. Spoiled milk, rotten vegetables, rotten fruit, same as unwholesome or corrupted talk. How many of you want to dive into a little moldy strawberry today? Anybody? Let's cut the edge off. The other side's good, Trent. Don't be, don't be a wimp. I'm out, man. I'll throw everything in the fridge away if I see that guy. (laughs) What about a little orange? Anybody want a little orange? I'm out. I don't want anything to do with that. (laughs) And I think the, the visual that he's wanting us to gather here, next time you gossip, next time you slander, envision this. Smell the, the, the sour, spoiled milk. It's like your breath is, smells like spoiled milk for, for when, you're, when you're spewing that type of negativity and criticism and slander, right? I love the visual. I think it's important that we grasp what he's telling us here. We've got to use words that build up. Building up gives us this idea of construction. So you're, you can be Bob the Builder, right? You're going to build people up, right? And so you're going to construct something that has value, so when I build people up, I am encouraging them. The very root word of encouragement is the word courage. And so it's not just about making people feel good about themselves. It's about encouraging their heart, strengthening their heart so that they might have courage to live another day, to walk with Christ, to see that maybe they are looking at the negative, but, but when, they, when their eyes are fixed on Jesus, now They can be encouraged and strengthened when they're going through a difficult season in their life. Without encouragement, our heart grows weary. And if your heart is weary today, I would say that one of the number one things that you don't have in your life is somebody encouraging you. We all need that without encouragement. You know, when we don't have that, we, we feel like we're all alone. We feel like there's no hope. We all need to be better at encouraging. It's just one of the things that as a Christian, we never like reach the pinnacle. It's kind of like prayer. You never hear someone say like, I I just pray too much. I'm just really good at it. And God always answers me like, you don't hear that. Same is true about encouragement. Nobody ever says, I just encourage people too much. It's just, you know, too much. I need to back it down. It's just, that's just not a reality. We, We need to give more encouragement. We need to to, to practice it. We, mean, we need to build other people up every single day. You need to get better at this. I need to get better at this. I love what Proverbs chapter 12 says in verse 25. He says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Some of you have an anxious heart today. It's, it's weighing you down for whatever reasons. 
He says, but a good word makes him glad. A good word. Everybody say good word. Say it one more time. Good word. Come on, Knoxville. We, 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 we got to give a good word. You have no idea what the person in the same row as you just experienced this week. Quite potentially was the worst week of their life. You know what they need? They need a good word. The people in your row, maybe it wasn't last week, maybe it's this week. Maybe they're getting ready to face one of the most scary things they've ever faced in their life and it's happening this week. Their, their anxious heart is weighing them down. You know what they need? They need a good word. In fact, let's preach a little bit today. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're gonna make it. God is good, you're gonna make it. Tell them right now. Just, just preach a little bit. Give them a good word. Knoxville, give them a good word. Yeah. Now turn to your second choice the other person and say, just because you were my second choice doesn't mean that I don't love you. And God's going to do it in your life this week. Give him a good word. I can't tell you how many people I talk to week after week that need a good word. You know what happens? We get so dialed into our confusion, our loneliness, our issues that we forget that God is calling us to build others up around us, right? This is huge. So how can we become uh, better at encouraging people? Here's a few practical things that I think we could all do. The first thing is take action when you're grateful. Just take action when you're grateful. How many times have you been thankful for somebody? The, the Holy Spirit puts a thought in your mind. You're just like, man, that that person really means a lot to me and they've been really helpful and gosh, I'm thankful for them. I need to encourage them. And, and then you get busy and you, you say, I'll talk to them later. And, and then you just forget about it and you never give them that good word. How, what would it look like for you to take action and just make a commitment? Every time God gives me that thought to be thankful or to encourage somebody, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna fire away the text right then. I'm gonna email them. I'm gonna call them. I'm gonna go up to them and tell them and give them that good word. I'll never forget, uh, I was talking to a friend. We were talking about like the, the best book we've ever read that was life-changing. And I was talking to him about, you know, the, the, the book that I feel like really changed me early on uh, after college. And, and he was like, have you, have you ever told the author that? <laughs> I was like, I don't know the author. Like he's some famous guy. Like he doesn't know me. How am I going to do that? And he was like, just look him up and send an email. So I did. Looked the guy up, sent the email, fired away. And you know what happened? Got an email from his secretary saying thanks. That was it. That's it. And that's okay. Because the reality is sometimes when we give encouragement, we always want the feel good. I want to be honored and I want the feel good and I want all this. And, and, and I think when we build others up, it's like, that's not, that's, that's not about me. It's about what, what God's calling me to do. And so it's just about being faithful with the word he's given to me. It's about being faithful. Share that good word when God puts it on your heart. How about celebrate victories when other people have a victory, when they win, when something good happens in their life? Sometimes we're so jealous. Sometimes we're envious and we allow that envy and jealousy to stop us from, from celebrating with that person. We've got to be careful about letting envy and jealousy kind of grow in our heart. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let no bitterness take root because it leads to trouble. It defiles us. So celebrate people this week. Hey, good job, way to go. When someone's kid does well, way to go, good job. All of that brings life into the relationship. How about this one? Pay attention to the demeanor of other people 
and then actually speak to it. Some of you are really good at like discerning like people's moods. And so you can tell at work or even at church and small group, somebody's just off. They're a little standoffish. You can tell by their, you know, their posture or whatever. It's been a hard week or it's been difficult. And so often we just, you know, just kind of notice it. And then we walk away and we're like, oh man, so-and-so looks like he's had a bad day. Wow. What's wonder what's wrong with him. And we end up gossiping instead of like, hey, man, you are, are you good? You okay? Looks like you're down. Hey, fist bump if you're a man. Fist bump. Ladies, hug. Men, fist bump. You're going to do, you're, you're going to make it. It's going to be, it's going to be all right. All right. Let me know. If we can pray about something. This is, I think, in the moment where we're, we're paying attention. You don't realize the, the week that people have had around us today. So, so listen, you don't just come to church on Sundays to be a spectator and just to sit and watch. You come to church so that you can minister to people. You come to church to be encouraged, but you come to church to minister to each other. And I can brag on this church because I really believe it's true. Like I hear it time and time again from, from visitors, first time guests, like this church is so welcoming and encouraging and I really do feel like I belong here. And so I just wanna encourage you to continue, keep it up. If you're looking for a place to serve, jump into our guest services team because man, it's a place where you get to give people a good word every single week. These encouraging words, building each other up every week as a church, unite us. That, that, that encourages us to connect with one another. So we wanna use words that build up. And then secondly, we use words that fit the moment, right? Fit the moment. He says, as fits the occasion, right? And so we wanna use the words in the moment that actually fit, right? And so here's a, a word that actually fits. It's called the truth. And telling the truth always fits the occasion. Uh, this whole chapter uh, speaks to this in Ephesians 4 and verse 25, chapter 4. He says that each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're members of one body. So speak truthfully. That, that always fits the occasion. The truth always fits. He says in verse 15 of the same chapter, he says to speak the truth in love. Hey, let that sit in today. Some of you are just lying to your spouse. You're lying to your boss. You're lying to your kids. You're lying to yourself. Like he calls us to use words that fit the occasion and he wants us to speak the truth. I think sometimes we get into conversations that uh, are a little awkward and we may not know what to say. Has that ever happened to you? Someone's pouring out their heart. Man, I don't, I don't even know what to say in this moment. It's a little awkward. Maybe you say something hurtful and then you realize, oh, I should, have, I should not have said that. I wish I could grab those words and, and, and catch them and, and, and bring those back. Um, I'm a Seinfeld fan, and so um, everything kind of relates to that for me. And there was this episode where uh, Jerry, he thought his girlfriend was cheating on him, and so he confronted her. And then as he was saying it, he realized how ridiculous it sounded. And she rolled her eyes, and she was like, I wasn't there. I was here. And there was this awkward pause. And then he said this statement. You might want to use this statement. You could write this down. He just said, you want to get some pizza? Just try to change the topic. I don't know. That might work for you. I think in those awkward moments, you know, we want to be careful to use words that, that actually fit the moment. Someone gets a haircut and you're like, oh, wow, that looks way better than it used to. <laughs> Probably not the best, you know, thing to actually say. Uh, someone pours out 
oh, this has happened. I made this huge mistake. And, 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 and this was, you know, one of those things where just like, oh, man, and they're regretful. And then, you know, you follow that up with, well, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. You should have listened to me, right? Those are terrible words that don't fit the moment, right? And so I, I think what he's calling us to use are, are, are words that fit the moment. Some things are better left unsaid. You don't have to share everything that goes through your brain. Amen. Proverbs 29 says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. Just say whatever comes to your mind. But a wise man quietly holds back, holds back some of the thoughts that entered your mind. You don't say everything that you think. Your wife says, honey, do these jeans make me look fat? Want to get some pizza? No, no, no. We don't say everything that, that comes to our mind. I think we have wisdom here. Use words that fit the moment. Here in, in, in verses 31 and 32, he gives us those words. Let me read them again. He's saying, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, uh, slander, put that away. That's an old life. That's an old trend. That's an old you lifestyle. Now he says words that fit the moment. Be kind right? Be tenderhearted. Be forgiving, just as Christ forgave you. Some of you need to write this phrase down because I don't think you know how to say it. And so you need to memorize this, this statement. I am sorry. Please forgive me. You don't say it. And you just spend all day defending yourself as if you're super Jesus, right? You're like Navy SEAL Christian that never makes a mistake, Right? And then you're just spending all this time defending, you know, your, your, yourself and the people around you are like, dude, you're not perfect. Like, when you see and you hear what I'm saying, like, like you're hurting me. These, these words matter, right? Words that fit the moment. I'm sorry, right? Please forgive me. Maybe you're in a moment where someone is kind of, kind of laying out their heart and their struggles and Maybe you're like, I, I'm not equipped to really counsel them. I don't know really what to say. I don't have a word that fits the moment. Here's what you could do. You could just say, can we just pray about this right now? You know how encouraging that is for somebody that's hurting if you just pray for them right there in that moment, in that occasion. Not, not the Southern, you know, oh, I'll be praying for you and then never think about it statement, but actually just say, let's pray about it right now. That fits the moment. How about this one? Someone is bearing, you know, their, their soul to you. They're sharing some things that are, that are difficult and you may not know what direction to give to them. That's okay. You could say something like, I'm sorry you're going through that. That has to be difficult. Just that simple statement validates this person's feelings. What you don't want to say when they're sharing their heart is, oh yeah, well, you have that. Well, guess what I had to go through? Come on, that's the worst. Like don't try to trump somebody else's pain. That devalues them and puts the focus on you. Don't be that guy. Use words that fit the moment. I'm sorry you're going through that. That has to stink. This is the life that he's calling us to. How about correcting someone in the moment? Right? Let's be honest for a minute. We love some juicy gossip. Everybody loves some gossip in the house. Uh, my, uh, my, my kids, uh, young people, they call it the tea. Spill the tea. What's the tea? You know? And so... So what we got to recognize is sometimes we think the T is not that big of a sin, but in actuality, gossip can do more damage than, 
some of the other sins that we might think are these, these massive things that could destroy families and churches. Gossip is a, is a, is a killer in relationships. And so in the moment, what if, what if someone is, is, is actually sharing some stuff with you and you hold them accountable? I love what author Kent Hughes uh, says. He calls the, the, the person who listens a garbage collector. Think about that. Here, here's, what, here's what Proverbs 16 says. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. You know people, maybe you've been this person that stirs up drama and conflict. Have you heard about this person? Have you heard about? Anytime you start a sentence with, have you heard about? Be careful. Gossip, slander is not far behind, right? You know the people that stir up drama. It might be you. Don't do it. He says, gossip separates close friends. Gossip separates close friends. So gossip, talking about people in a negative context is sinful, but not only is saying it and being the speaker sin, but he also, scripture tells us that listening is evil. An evildoer listens to wicked lips and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So he's saying even listening is sin. So Kent Hughes calls this listener the garbage collector. Remember that, think about that, puts a little spin on it. He says this and I quote, someone in the group, becomes the person that disgruntled people go to because that person will listen and sympathize and be a shoulder to cry on and a rallying point for complaints and a hero to those with hurt feelings. And the listener becomes a bigger problem in the group than the talker. I see a lot of truth to that. I've seen a lot of churches um, get split, get hurt. I've seen a lot of friendships broken because of garbage collectors. Seen, seen a lot of good sports teams get broken because of garbage collectors. Next time someone comes up to you, starts criticizing someone else, how about in the moment you just kind of hold them accountable and correct them and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not involved in this. That's all you gotta say, I'm not involved in this. You could even do something even greater and say, as a matter of fact, the person that you're talking about is right over here. How about we go talk to them face to face instead of talking behind their back? That's how you get rid of being a garbage collector. Nobody's coming to you anymore. <laughs> you see, the, the gossiper is evil and the listener is as well. Uh, Proverbs 18.8 puts it a little bit different way that I think makes a lot of sense. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Gossip, that little nugget of truth, that, 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 is, that is like a, a morsel that is so delicious. It's about to be Halloween, you know, we're about to get those Reese cups, those little singles, you know, that you steal from your kids and little, you know, little, little Hershey kisses, just one. It's not, 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 not gonna do any damage, but hard to say no to that. It's hard to say no to the Hershey kiss. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to uh, your favorite Mexican restaurant that bring out the chips and salsa and you only ate one chip? Of course not, it's a tragedy. You eat the whole bowl before the server even gets there and you want more. Can't just eat one. It's like delicious morsels. That's what he says gossip is like. You've gotta be careful, it's delicious. Something about human nature that loves to hear it, but he says you can't be a part of it. So here's the tough question. Do you speak up when others get put down? Or do you stand there and listen in sinful 
silence. It's tough. So much is at stake with our words. When you bring a good word that fits the moment, when gossip is flowing, you can shut it down and you can bring life back into the family, the organization, the church, right? It's so critical. And then finally, he says, use words that are gracious, that it may give grace to those who hear it. We want to give grace to those in our life. So often we like to give ourselves grace, but we don't like to extend grace to other people. Uh, Have you ever noticed someone that comes to work late and your initial response is, slacker? Like, gosh, this guy doesn't have any good work ethic. What kind of person is this? But then you wake up and your kid is sick and you got to clean up their mess and and you got to find a babysitter because they can't go to school and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you're a a few minutes late to work. You don't go into work that day saying, I'm such a slacker. My work ethic is terrible. No, you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. You show yourself grace and you walk in and go, it's been a terrible morning, right? Uh, I love what author and speaker Patrick Lencioni says in his book, The Advantage. He calls this the fundamental attribution error. Long phrase, but it simply means this. It's so good. I've shared this before, but I love it because he says the tendency for us is to attribute the negative and frustrating attributes of other people to their personality or to their character. But when it comes to our own hangups and mistakes, we're quick to give ourselves grace. We're quick to excuse ourselves, but we don't extend that grace to other people. We just name call. Their work ethic is terrible. They're slackers, right? They're, they're self-centered, right? We screw up, we mess up. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. It was because of traffic that we were late. My kids are sick, but we don't extend that grace to other people. It's the guy at the store you see yell at his kids and you immediately criticize in your mind. You think, gee whiz, anger issues. Somebody needs counseling, right? You start to judge them. And then the next thing you know, you're yelling at your kids, but, but you excuse yourself because, well, they're beha- misbehaving or I've had a long day. Give ourselves the the benefit of the doubt, but we don't give that to other people. It's the coworker who doesn't get something done on time. And now all of a sudden, they're just not efficient, right? They're just, they just can't get it done. Well, when we're late, it's like, well, my, my family's a mess and, and, and things are tough at home. And so I was distracted, right? Do you give other people the benefit of the doubt? We need to use words that are gracious, It doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable at work. That's not what I'm saying, but it is important to get the full story. Hey, is everything okay? I noticed this didn't get done or I noticed this is happening. Is everything all right? And then you'll get the full story. And now all of a sudden I can be more gracious with my words, show grace and understanding with your words and don't be so harsh and judgmental and critical. I can kind of sum up this message, really sum up the whole series with this phrase, think before you speak think before you speak, right? This is something that is so easy, right? When we read it, it's like, yeah, we need to think before we speak. But some of us have a bad habit of just reacting in the moment. We, we, we turn a simple frustration in our marriage to all of a sudden we're, we're fighting over petty, stupid things. And you do that over the course of several weeks and months. And all of a sudden there's a lot of anger and bitterness in your relationship. You could restore that. You don't even need a miracle. All you just need is is an apology. It's as simple as that. 
change the tide of your marriage in one comment if you mean it and you live by it. Proverbs 16, 23 says, intelligent people think before they speak. (laughs) So if you're the one that kind of flies off the handle, the scripture says, well, you're not so intelligent, big guy, right? Get your mind in gear before you engage your tongue. James chapter one, verse 19, he talks about how everyone should be quick to listen and slow to what? Speak, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And so, so as, you're, as you're getting ready to have a conversation today, when you're getting ready to have some, you know, we won't call it an argument in your marriage, it's intense fellowship. That's what my wife and I call it. We're just having some intense fellowship, but that's, that's about to happen at work, at home. Well, let's ask yourself some questions before you start spouting off. Is it true? Before you talk to somebody about something, is it true? God would call us to share the truth in love, to, to put away falsehood and to be truth tellers, right? So is it true? Secondly, is it kind? Is what I'm about to say kind. Because if it's not kind, then kind of like your mama told you, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything, just shut up, right? Is it kind? And then finally, is it necessary? Now, I know there are some people in the room that think their opinion is always necessary. We know who you are. Like you don't have to speak in everything in every situation. So ask yourself, are my comments necessary in this moment? It could bring a lot more peace into your relationships if you'd be wise enough to ask these questions. I love the story of Thomas Edison. I'll close with this. The, the story is, um, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it kind of became, became this big story and uh, we're not quite sure all the details, but I, I, love, I love the story and the idea. So I wanted to share it today. It, it, the, the story goes that he was a young child. And by the way, Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, all that stuff, young people just making sure you know who this guy is. But as a young child, he comes home from school and his teacher had given him a piece of paper with the message on it. He couldn't read. He was, he was uh, little at this time. And, and uh, so the teacher told him to give this to his mom and and um, have him, have her read it to him. And so he gets home, he gives the paper. He says, mom, what does it say? What does it say? And her eyes, her eyes kind of filled with tears. She got emotional and she read this to her son. She said, your son is a genius. The school is too small for him and doesn't have good enough teachers to train him. Please teach him yourself. (laughs) He becomes the, one of the greatest inventors of all time. You know the story. Years later, his mother had passed away and He's cleaning up the house, going through old boxes and closets. And he comes across this piece of paper that was written by his teacher. And he read the note and the note actually said this. And I quote, your son is mentally deficient. We cannot let him attend our school anymore. He is expelled. Edison, obviously becoming emotional, later would write this into his journal. Thomas Edison, mentally deficient child whose mother turned him into the genius of the century. It's the power of words. It's the power of words. can bring life into somebody's experience. The power of your words, they matter. They set the trajectory of your future. So be cautious about what you say. And, and, and use your words to build others up, to, to be gracious and to use the correct words in the moment that would inspire 
and encourage and challenge. Let me ask you to bow your heads here in Maryville and in Knoxville. I'm sure in the room there are people who needed a good word today. I pray that you, you would hear that good word from the Lord. And I pray that this is a place where you receive good words from your, your, your church members and attenders here at FC. No matter who you are or, 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 or what you're going through, I want you to know that God has a plan. And that plan involves growth. And sometimes it is, it is challenging and difficult, but He uses that to help us become and fulfill the calling that He's placed on our lives. So, so let's pray, God, would you use these words today to inspire hope into our life? Help us, God, to take what we're learning and apply it to our life as we move forward today. I pray for those who've had a terrible week or who are about to face a tough week this week. God, would you speak good words into them? Would you bring people into their life that would inspire them and pray with them and encourage them? God, would you continue to grow us as a church that, we, that you would unify us, that we would put away slander and gossip and disunity and that we would, we would fight for togetherness, Lord, to fulfill the mission and purpose for each of our lives, for your glory and for your good. Jesus, we love you. We ask your blessings upon us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I wanna encourage you today, if you need to talk with someone, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you wanna get baptized, I encourage you to go to our care and prayer room today and, and let our great volunteers in, in that room know where your heart is at. I also wanna remind you, next week, brand new series, invite someone. It's gonna be an incredible, incredible series in the life of our church. Have a great day. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.